Amen. Well, I, I have a, just a short little 15 or 20 minute message. We'll get you out of here. I just, I just had something, a little nugget on my heart, knew that we we're going to have this tonight. And so I don't want to leave you here with not giving you a little something to chew on. I do want to mention to you that on Sunday, I have something very special planned uh, for my message. Um, I'm going to be preaching on um, how to get out of survival mode. And so if you ever have been or currently in a survival mode in your life, or you know somebody that is in survival mode, and I'm sure you do, then you're not going to want to miss Sunday. I also will promise you this. I am going to do something I have never, ever done before in a service. So hold your horses and get ready for that. It's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll drop some hints on Facebook, but that's all I'm going to say right now. It's going to be a great, great service, I promise you. Um, we, uh, I'll make my dad nervous. Uh, we, we, uh, I have been thinking about, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to come fully dressed. That is part of it, though, what I'm going to wear. But uh, that's all another issue. Um, but it won't be tight, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we get, I get myself in these messes. But I've been doing it since I was very small, all right? Uh, <laughs> I want, to, I want to preach to you about something. How many of you have ever dealt with or maybe you're currently dealing with anxiety in your life? Worry, anxiety. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but it's the number one most treated thing or, or disease or problem that we face as a society. It's anxiety. There's more medication being prescribed for anxiety than any other medical condition. Did you know that? So if you, you could put your finger on like the number one kind of medical issue or issue that people are dealing with around the world, especially in our country, it's anxiety. And do you know that in the Bible there's a cure for anxiety? Do you know there's actually a chapter in the Bible that the title of the chapter is, get ready for this, The Cure for Anxiety. Now, we're going to get to that. You're, you want it that fast, huh? We're going to get to it. So, so, I'm making you anxious. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever preached before and been catcalled the entire time, but that's what it's like preaching here. She said I'm making her anxious by holding on to not telling what chapter it is. There's actually a chapter in the Bible, and the title of the chapter is The Cure for Anxiety. Now, I'm not making up this. I'm not making up and saying, hey, I think maybe if you try this, this will cure your anxiety. The title of the chapter is The Cure for Anxiety. So if you're anxious or you deal with anxiety and worry, then I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe the chapter... <laughs> titled The Cure for Anxiety could be an important chapter for you, <laughs> right? I'll tell you a story, and then we're going to get to that chapter just to make you more anxious. One night, a group of thieves broke into a jewelry store. Hey, now don't get too excited. <laughs> Bring, bringing back some memories for you guys. <laughs> hey, get it out now. Don't do it when Kim Walker's here, all right? Uh, and uh, they decided to mess with the, uh, the store. They decided not to steal anything. But what they did is they took all the price tags and they switched them all around. 
So they took the price tag on the precious items, the most valuable items, and they changed them and they put those price tags on the fake pieces of jewelry and vice versa. And so when, when the staff came in the next day and began to sell the items, there was mass confusion and people were walking out the door with items worth thousands. They only paid for what you'd pay for costume jewelry, 15 or 20 bucks. And people were walking away with costume jewelry that they paid way too much money for. You see, the thief brought confusion into that store and the way that he was able to confuse and rob and destroy that business, that, own, that, that place of that jewelry business was by changing the value system for how they sell or how they value their merchandise. And I got to thinking about this. We, I'm gonna, when we get to the chapter, you're going to see what I'm talking about. But there is a kind of a restructuring, if you will, or a confusion that has leaked into our sense of value as a culture, as a world, as a country, as a people. We have lost sight of the things that truly are valuable, and we have placed value on things that really have no eternal value. And see, the enemy, talking about the devil, is the master of confusion and chaos. And one of the ways that he brings chaos into our life is he begins to make you and I think that things are a lot more valuable than they are. And then he devalues the things that are very valuable in our lives, and we no longer pay attention to them. And so what we think should have value really doesn't, and what we think shouldn't have value actually does. So if our system, a lot of times we hear about, well, our values are messed up that our country has a moral crisis and our values are messed up. When we're talking about value, we're talking about what people put worth on, what people decide is worth something and important. And so this chapter in Matthew is is really important. See, I'm narrowing it down for you. And I'm going to read that to you. There's another story about um, the volcano in Pompeii that erupted in 79 AD. It talks about this woman they found years later as they were doing some excavation. They found a woman who was completely covered by the molten rock and they found her skeleton, her skeletal, uh, her whole entire skeleton. She was face down and her hand was clutched. And when they opened up the, the skeleton of her hand, she was clutching some jewels that they assumed she ran back into the house to grab a hold of. So she still had the jewels, but she was, she was covered in lava and, and burned alive. But she had those jewels. What she thought was of value, because of the circumstance she was in, really had no value because she lost her life. Matthew chapter 6. The cure for, how many of you in your Bible, it says the cure for anxiety? You're the only one that's going to say that I'm telling the truth here. What does it say? All right. Verse 25. That's where it should say the cure for anxiety. Yours says worry. Okay. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. 
as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body is what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you so worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Verse 33. This is it. The cure for anxiety. You feeling anxious about it? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Come on, let's give that scripture a hand if you can do that. It says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. It even says, I love in this chapter, it says, God knows you need these things. In other words, your desire to have these things is not an evil desire. You're not bad because you're worried about making sure at the end of the month your bills are paid and there's a roof over your head and there's food in your cupboard. You have clothes on your back and gas for your car and insurance. We, we oftentimes, you know, we get, uh, for a while I, I was around some people that were just like full-time missionaries and all they ever did was live like in extremely, you know, extreme um, environments of poverty. And after a while, it got kind of annoying because anytime you did anything like pay your rent or your mortgage or put gas in your car, they would drop a little hint like, you know, must be nice, you know, $50 on gas. You know what that would buy you in Africa? And they'd try to make me feel try to make me feel guilty about putting gas in my car. But how many of you know God knows that there's some necessities in life that we need? And there's nothing bad about wanting these necessities of life. There's nothing bad about wanting to have food in the cupboard. There's nothing bad or evil about wanting to have clothes on your back. You're not an evil person because you want a house. You greedy American, you want a house? No, it's not. Anybody who says that is stupid. Any, it's true. They're, they're, did I say stupid? I meant deceived, all right? Stupid and deceived. To, to make you feel guilty because you want a house is ridiculous. To make you feel guilty because you want clothes on your back or you want to be able to provide a college education for your child or whatever it may be is silly. It, come on, it's silly. God says, even in this chapter, he says, I know that you need these things. I know that you need these things. It's not needing or wanting these things that is bad. 
It's not needing or wanting these things that get you in trouble. It's not needing or wanting these things that distracts you. What distracts you, what gets you off course, what brings anxiety and worry into your life is when what you're seeking becomes what you need and what you want. That's what in our minds has to be switched around because the Bible says to seek first his kingdom. And what I love about this is it doesn't say, and then secondly, seek everything else. He just says, just listen, there's one priority. There's one plan. It's plan A. There is no plan B. This is not a multi-step process. You seek first my kingdom and my righteousness in your life, and all of these things that you're worried about will be added unto you. Right? So for you and I, it's, it's, it sounds like, okay, Dan, I want to seek first. What do I do? I'm going to teach you that. There's a lot to it, There's a lot to it but there really isn't a lot to it. It is a shift in priorities. It's not that you don't want to have a roof over your head. It's not that you don't want these things, but what you put in front of you as the prize, what you put in front of you as the goal that you're seeking, what you make your primary priority in your life changes everything. Because when the main priority is no longer the main priority and you've replaced it with something else, then you're no longer seeking his kingdom in your life. And so we take these little baby steps because we get desperate. So we're like, okay, I'll seek your kingdom. And then we get like, we, you know, we need God to break through in 10 different things in our life. And so we start seeking him and we get a breakthrough in one. And we're like, I got the rest of them. You got one, I got nine. And then we get frustrated and mad because we feel like God's left us and deserted us. Then we're like, oh, but Lord, I need these things. I'm going to seek you. If we could learn to keep that the center and priority of our, of our desires in our life, then all of these things, the Bible still will be added to us, and all of the things that we're worried about seeing happen in our lives, all the things we become anxious about, am I going to pay my mortgage? Am I going to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? All of these things that we're worried about, God has a way of taking care of if we apply these simple biblical principles and priorities in our life. So I wrote down a couple of them, really simple. But the first thing you have to do to seek first the kingdom is you have to seek the king's plan for your life. So in order to seek the kingdom, it's important to talk to the king and find out what the king's plan is for your life. The king, of course, is Jesus, and he's given us a plan in the word of God He's given some of us even a more detailed plan through a prophetic word that's confirmed something we already knew in our life or through through our own personal prayer time. God's given us an even more detailed plan for our life. But how many of you can tell me right now that I have never in my entire life felt like God gave me a special blueprint or plan for my life? Just be honest with me. There's some people here, maybe about 10% of you. You know, I love the quote from Reinhard Bonnke because Reinhard Bonnke says, uh, those that oftentimes seek, those that seek the will of God are oftentimes overrun by those that do it. I'll say that to you again. Those that seek the will of God are often overrun by those that do it. In other words, you know the will of God. You know, just by being here and hearing the word preached 
And if you don't know the word of God, we'll give you some basic scriptures to set you on your way. But you know the plan of God for all of our lives. How many of you know we all have our own individual talents, but we're called to the same thing? Right? So yours might look a little different than mine, but we're all headed in the same direction. And our prize and our goal at the end of this race is all the same prize and all the same goal. And I love the quote from Ron Arbunke because he said, there's a lot of people that are like, Lord, just lead me. I just don't know where I'm going. And they're bumping into things and tripping over. Oh my gosh, just lead me. And somebody else is going, oh, okay. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I can, sounds like his will. It says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay, that sounds like a plan. And on and on and on, they go through scripture after scripture and unveil the plan of God for all of our lives. And so you can wait for some special blueprint from heaven to come down, or you can realize that God's given us all a blueprint for how we can seek his, his, his purpose and his kingdom and his plan for our lives and how we can actually go forward. And so finding out what he says and what he's determined for our lives is the first step in seeking his kingdom. That's why we preach. That's why we come to service and we listen to messages. We're trying to hear, God, what is your plan for my life? If you wait for some sparkly, clean, you know, magical, fairy dust, angel wing, prophetic word for you before you get up off your tush and do something for God... You might be waiting a while. Because David Wagner's book till at least November. That was a joke. Oh, well, some of you'll get that later. Some of you get that later. If you wait around for that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have somebody who's going to catch a vision of what God is doing asked and begged and commanded us to do here on the earth, who's got a picture of his plan, for, and they're going to go whizzing past you. And you're going to be like, what was that? Pastor Dan, I'm just trying to seek his will. What was that? I'm going to say, that's somebody doing it. Because while you're seeking it, somebody's going to be doing it. And you're going to get overrun by them, as Reinhard Bonnke says. So seek the king's plan for your life. The second thing is this, embrace his plan as your main priority and focus. Take God's plan for your life that's in the word of God that we talk about all the time. Take that plan for your life and embrace it. I mean, literally sit and think to yourself, this is going to become my main focus and mission in life. Not like, uh, no offense to those in the National Guard, but not like a weekend warrior. Well, I'll just go do my two days at the end of the week. I'll be there on Sunday. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time in church, sing some songs. I'll do a little personal prayer time, listen to what's-his-face preach for a while, and then I'll go home and go back to my other priorities. But if you embrace the king's plan for your life and make it the main priority, the main mission, the main reason that you exist and live, it's a second step in really seeking first his kingdom, and his righteousness for your life. The last thing is this, because I'm running out of time. Live your life to see his plan accomplished. 
Live your life in a way that see his, to see his plan accomplished. That means, I hate to do the whole personal responsibility thing, but that means you're actually going to have to change how you live your life. Or you can be anxious. You can be full of worry. You can be constantly struggling and striving to, for the necessities of life. Or you can learn to trust God and follow his plan for your life and his ways and take steps in embracing his priority and making it the priority of your life and then begin to actually let that plan, those scriptures, those words over your life change the way you walk out every day of your life. You know the guys that were up here that, that talking about what, you know what, how they got to where they were? Do you know how they went from lifelong addictions to being set free and getting their families back and all the stuff you heard? Do you know how they did that? They changed every day what they did. They literally looked, this is, this is a micro example of what we're talking about on a grander scale. They came to case managers like Jen over here and other case managers and Jim and stuff like that. And they sat down. And they said, this is where I am. I'm messed up. Nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody likes me. I've got this going on in my life or these charges or this many years in addiction. I've dug this deep of a hole. I'm 40 feet down in a hole. What do I do? And they sat down and went, here's your plan. We're going to start here. Your first goal is to do this. Let's get a job for you. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And they develop an individual plan. And that person can do one of two things. They can take that plan. They can take that case plan, what they call it. And they can say, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing and just hope this goes away. <laughs> Which happens. <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> right? So we can just say, I want this anxiety to go away. What's the cure? And then we go, here's the cure. And then we can go, never mind. I'm just going to do what I've been doing and hope it goes away. <laughs> right? Or they can go, okay, sounds like a good plan. I think I can do that. We'll start here. We'll work, we're, I'm going I'm to embrace the plan you've given me, Jim. That sounds like a good plan. You know what? That's different than what I used to do. And what I used to do didn't work out that well. So I'm going to do something a little different. That's different. And he's saying, yeah, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people. That, I'm telling you, buddy, this is the cure for what you're going through. Okay. Then that person now has another decision. I'm going to embrace the plan and talk about it with all my buddies, but I'm just going to continue to do what I've been doing, which happens also. Or you can take it to step three, which is I'm going to allow this plan that's been presented to me that I've now embraced in my life to actually change what I do every day of my life. When, listen, when that kicks in, when that kicks in for somebody in one of our programs, it's all downhill from there. Doesn't mean they're not going to have bad days. Doesn't mean when they fully embrace that plan and believe and follow the advice and go for it, it happens. And it's no different than what God's presented us here. It's no different. The word of God is a 
is a blueprint and plan for our lives. There's commandment after commandment after commandment after commandment of what it looks like to walk this life in total freedom, to, to seek his kingdom, to go after all that he has for our lives, to seek his righteousness in our life. There's all sorts of scriptures you can read. You, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to have ever gone to any sort of Bible school class. You can open up the word of God, especially when you get to the New Testament, and start to just immediately see commandments. In the New Testament, you'll get a lot of commandments in red, if you have a red letter Bible from Jesus. Stories that he talks about that have meaning for your life. Commandments, things that he gave his disciples, which are for you and me today, that you can go, oh, okay. And then you can look at those and say, I'm going to change the way I live. When I wake up tomorrow, instead of flicking off the neighbor out the window like I normally do, I'm going to knock on their door and say, I have, hope you have a great day at work today. Instead of running over their trash can, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up their trash for them and take it out. I'm going to start with really simple commands that the Bible has given me to start to see the kingdom of God revealed to the earth through my life and to the world around me. This is how we seek his kingdom. And this really is the cure for anxiety in your life. When this becomes a priority, you, your anxiety will fade away. Your worry will fade away. All of the things that you struggle with in your mind the things that keep you up at night, the restlessness will begin to fade when you begin to trust God's plan. And this is what I'm going to propose to you as I close. If you're anxious about something, I promise you there's something that God has given us as an antidote to your worry that you're not really embracing and believing. And you know what's really good is if you find it and you embrace it and you allow it to change the way you live your life, it, it's a lot easier that way. Trust me. Because when you're down there feeling that way and Sister Happy Pants comes along and quotes that scripture to you, it's a lot harder to swallow. You know what I'm talking about? You, Sister Happy Pants would do it like this. Well, hey, Brother Dan, how are you? I'm not doing that great. Why not? Well, I've got like a five or $6,000 hospital bill because that little one back there wanted to come early. Well, Brother Dan, don't you know he owns all the cattle on Thousand Hills? <laughs> He'll take care of you. That's how Sister Happy Pants would do it. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, I'll give you cattle. You want cattle? I got cattle for you. I'll send you to Spain where they run cattle through the streets. Put a big red X on your back. Sister Happy Pants. Brother Happy Pants. All right, I'll tell you what Brother Happy Pants would do. You ready for this? This is going to be kind of like Disney's Goofy, though. I'm telling you that right now. 
Hey, hello, how you doing, brother Diane? <laughs> What's up? How's it going? You look sad, brother. You look sad. Yeah, I'm a little upset. What happened? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Well, um, I've had a really rough week. I haven't slept much all week long. You haven't slept much? <laughs> well, don't you know Psalms 23? He lies me down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That's Brother Happy Pants, all right? <laughs> hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> <laughs> We're ending, okay? Now, Sonny, what's wrong with you? All right, come here. I can't do an old person without sounding cynical. I don't know why. <laughs> All right, we're going to dismiss because you guys have got me in a mess. <laughs> Plus, it's 9 o'clock. Hey, let's stand to our feet. The cure for anxiety. Seek first his kingdom. All these things will be added unto you. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to be bothered. For God has the perfect solution to your anxiety. It's learning to put the main thing and keep it the main thing. Priority in your life. His kingdom. His righteousness. All of the things that brother, sister, and grandma happy pants want to tell you. You can... You can absorb into your own life and let it change the way you walk out tomorrow and every day after that. Father, we thank you that you have such a great solution for us and God help us. Some of us have been so plagued by anxiety and worry or we've been so messed up by Lord, just a, our value system. You've created chaos in it because or the enemy's created chaos in our value system because we've embraced things that, that that aren't worth anything, and we've left the main priority that is you, that's worth more than diamonds, more than gold, more than silver in our life. And so God, help us refocus and make you the main priority in all things, Lord, in business, in relationship, in our homes, God, and in every area of our life, that you would stay center, that we would seek you first. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen.